0: I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the resurrection, that he will come again. But do you believe in dragons? I was thinking as I saw this on the TV when I walked in this morning, I thought, I wonder how many parents are going to call me this week and say, my kids can't (laughs) sleep at night after your picture. The Bible is filled with holy men. Men of great renown. Hebrews chapter 11 lists many names. People of great faith, holy men. Hebrews 11 verse 2 says, Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Great renown. Good reputation. Men like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and many other holy men of great renown. But there is a holy man that is not included in Hebrews chapter 11. But he is specifically called out in the book of Ezekiel. Actually three men are called out by God in the book of Ezekiel as holy men, his holy men and these three receive a very special commendation of God in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel the Lord actually calls these three men by name two times in Ezekiel's writings there's one that I want to focus on today one of these three holy men in the context of this question, I want to focus on one of God's three holy men in Ezekiel. Do you believe in dragons? So let's begin with the first application of this holy man in the book of Ezekiel. The first application is found in Ezekiel fourteen twelve, and God is talking to Ezekiel about the coming judgment of Israel. Now, if you've got to understand the context, God is communicating to Ezekiel that there is a coming judgment. Can anything stop it? Well, let's see. Verse 12. And then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man. That's what God called Ezekiel. Son of man. Suppose the people of a country were to sin against me, and I lifted my fist to crush them cutting off their food supply and sending a famine to destroy both people and animals. Even if, here comes the three names, even if Daniel, excuse me, Noah, Daniel, and Job, there's the three guys. Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, when I raised my fist against this nation in judgment, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, their righteousness would save no one but themselves, says the sovereign Lord. His name is Job. His name is listed beside Noah and Daniel as one of the three holy men of God. These three holy men had great influence with God. Their righteousness, their holiness before God would save them from judgment, but not their families. You ever thought about that? It's a pretty sobering text. They had such a relationship with God that God tells Ezekiel, when I raise my fist in judgment against the land— If those three guys were in the land at that time, I would not destroy them in the wrath of my judgment, but it would only save them, not their family. You're talking about something that speaks volumes for personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. That was the first application of these three holy men in Ezekiel. This is the second one. Chapter 14, verse 19. Or suppose I were to pour out my fury by sending an epidemic. An epidemic into the land. Huh. And the disease killed people and animals alike. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job, there they are again. As surely as I live, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there... They wouldn't be able to save their own sons and daughters. They alone. They alone. Three guys would be saved by their righteousness. Three holy men. Noah, we know quite a bit about him. He found favor with God. That favor saved him and his family from the flood and judgment that fell upon the earth. A few weeks ago, I sent out my weekly uh, blog, A Word from Terry, and I had been studying in the book of Genesis, and I just happened to notice through the genealogies that Noah's daddy had other sons and daughters. So I got to counting off the years and the genealogies and concluded something that never hit me in my entire lifetime, is that all of Noah's brothers and sisters didn't make it. They didn't make it. It looks like Noah's father died before the flood, but Noah's brothers and sisters, they didn't make it. And he's listed in this scripture that if Job and Noah and Daniel were there, they would save them but not 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 their family. And what about Daniel? Daniel found favor with God and his favor turned The king of Babylon into a believer in the God of Israel. In fact, eventually the king of Babylon bowed down to Daniel, who happened to be his slave. But what about this man, Job? Do you believe in dragons? Some of you might be confused or curious by my title today and my question Do you believe in dragons? So let me explain by going to the end of Job's story, and then we're going to make our way back to the beginning to answer the question today that by the end of the service, I hope you'll understand, do you, do you today believe in dragons? I'll summarize the story of Job as we start. Job was a holy man that lived probably around the time of Abraham after the great flood of Noah. Job experienced a time of great testing. That might be the understatement of today. He experienced a time of great testing and suffering, and most of the Old Testament book of Job deals with his response and his friend's response to that suffering that occurs in the beginning of the book of Job. And early in the story, Job lost his seven sons and his three daughters. They were killed, murdered. This back and forth reasoning about God in the book of Job, back and forth reasoning about God, sin, human suffering, goes on from chapter 3 all the way up to chapter 38, where God comes in a whirlwind, in a tornado, to answer Job, personally. Remember, many years after this, many years after this, Job scene, God reveals to Ezekiel that Job is one of his three holy men. Do you believe in dragons? Can any of you guess where I'm going with that question today? Do you believe in dragons? I grew up watching dragons in cartoons There have been many books written about fire-breathing dragons over the centuries. Recent movies have portrayed dragons usually as friendly creatures. In fact, my my grandson, a rider, was at my house yesterday and he had some kind of a kid's toy and he opened it up and looked at it and held it up and it was a dragon on the side of something, a very cuddly looking dragon. Do you believe in dragons? But I want to ask a serious question today. Seriously. Do you believe in dragons? You might ask me right about now, what does this have to do with the holy man, Job, and what does this have to do with the church in 2021? Everything. The book of Job has 35 chapters of back-and-forth discussion About God, sin, and human suffering. And then God appears in person before Job in a whirlwind, in a tornado. And in that appearance, it is the next to the last chapter of Job. We have these words from God to his holy man, Job. Job 41, verse 1. I'm going to read 17 verses as I ask you Do you believe in dragons? God is talking to Job. Can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with a rope through the nose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity? Will it agree to work for you to be your slave for life. Can you make it a pet like a bird or give it to your little girls to play with? Will merchants try to buy it or sell it in their shops? Will its hide be hurt by spears or its head by a person, or excuse me, by a harpoon? If you lay hands on it, you will certainly remember the battle. You won't try that again no it is useless to try to capture it the hunter who attempts it will be knocked down and since no one dares to disturb it what is this it that is so intimidating this thing called leviathan and since no one dares to disturb it who then can stand up to me He's comparing himself to this beast. If no one would dare disturb it, who can stand against me? Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. I want to emphasize Leviathan's limbs and its enormous strength and graceful form. This is God talking to Job from a whirlwind. Who can strip off its hide? Who can penetrate its double layer of armor? Who can pry open its jaws? For its teeth are terrible. Its scales are like rows of shields tightly sealed together. They are so close together that no air can get between them. Each scale sticks tight to the next. They interlock and cannot be penetrated. So let me ask you a question. That's 17 verses, Job chapter 41, a holy man of God recording a conversation from God to Job about a beast named Leviathan. What do you think about this revelation of Leviathan? A revelation from God to Job. What do you think? Do you believe in dragons? Stay with me because what's coming next is really important. Did God actually make animals that could breathe fire and smoke? Next verse, just the next verse, verse 18. When it sneezes, it flashes light. Its eyes are like red, like the red of dawn. Lightning leaps from its mouth, flames of fire flash out. Smoke streams from its nostrils like steam from a pot heated over burning rushes its breath would kindle coals for flames flames shoot out of his mouth I'll ask you again do you believe in dragons maybe I need to rephrase it do you believe in Job God calls him out as one of his holy men do you believe in the book of Job? Well, what about Isaiah? Do you believe Isaiah? Let's jump over. The prophet Isaiah called this creature the dragon of the sea. And Isaiah chapter 27 gives an amazing end times prophecy about a dragon. In Isaiah, he gives us this amazing end times prophecy about a dragon. Isaiah 27 verse 1. In that day, talking about a future time. In that day, the Lord will take his terrible swift sword and punish Leviathan. Hmm. The swiftly moving serpent. The coiling, writhing serpent. He will kill the dragon of the sea in that day. With a swift sword... Leviathan will be killed in that day. Who is this dragon of the sea? And why will the Lord use his swift sword to kill him in that day? Now, in case some of you might be thinking, I'm spending this session to convince you that long ago, there were ancient fire-breathing animals on the earth. Yes, I have just read to you what I believe to be the word of God, truth. Yes. And yes, this particular word of God comes from a conversation between God and his holy man, Job, and also a secondary conversation between God and Isaiah about a fire-breathing dragon that you should leave alone if you encounter one day. Don't bother him. But that's not my real reason for asking today's question. Do you believe in dragons? Now we can get to my real reason. And for that we must go back to the beginning of Job's story, not the end, the beginning. So let's go to Job, the first chapter, we'll start in verse 6. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. Now let that go into your mind for a moment. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. So I want you to use your imagination. They are assembled in heaven, and God is on his throne, and the court is now in session. And the accuser, Satan, came with them into the presence of God, into the courtroom. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. And then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. Now, I'm going to ask you a question once again. This is going to happen a lot today. Do do you believe in dragons? I've read God's word describing a powerful, fearful beast named Leviathan this morning who breathes fire and smoke. And just now in Job chapter 1, I've read of another powerful, fearful beast named Satan that breathes. Well, let me read to you what he breathes. Next verse, verse 9. Where you been, Satan? Okay. I've been on the earth patrolling, seeing what's going on. Verse 9, Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear you. You've always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take everything, take away everything. But reach out, listen, church. But you reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Hmm. The heavenly court is assembled where you been Satan on the earth have you considered my man Job there's none like him in all the earth he's a man of absolute integrity of course he's absolute integrity all you ever do is bless him he's the richest guy in the world you let me have him he'll curse you take that stuff away he'll curse you to your face verse 12 all right what what'd you say all right you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, Do whatever you want with everything he possesses. Pay attention, church. Do whatever you want to his possessions, to the, all that he possesses, but don't harm, harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Do you believe in dragons? This dragon has many names. He is referred to as the accuser in Job or Satan. He's got both names in Job verse 6. But he has many names. In the book of Revelation, those names are connected together. The old serpent, the devil, Satan, and dragon. In the book of Revelation, he's called the dragon he's the same person the old serpent the devil satan dragon revelation 20 verse 2 reveals it let me read it to you he seized the dragon do you believe in dragons he seized the dragon that old serpent who is the devil Satan, see all of his names put together so you'll know who he is, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. This dragon that once stood in the presence of God. In the book of Job, this dragon that once stood in the presence of God, accusing Job, will one day be thrown down to the earth, never to return to heaven. This is revealed in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation 12, verse 7. And then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the, what? The dragon. Michael and his angels, Michael the archangel and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels and the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth, listen, with all his angels. Now I'm going to ask you again, do you believe in dragons? With that question, let's go back to the story of God's holy man, Job. I want to repeat verse 6 and 7 from chapter 1. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser Satan came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord. I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. How's that make you feel that the dragons on the earth looking around? Do you believe in dragons? Do you believe there is presently a dragon patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going around? Do you think it's important that I make you aware of this powerful dragon today, that you actually leave here today believing in the reality that there is a spiritual dragon patrolling the earth? No, I'd like to not think about that, preacher. You see, this great dragon, Satan, has lesser dragons, demons, with him. Did you catch that? This great dragon, Satan, has lesser dragons called demons. They are all fallen angels. You see, Michael had angels with him, and the dragon has angels with him. This powerful dragon is the enemy of God. And he patrols the earth looking for prey, someone to devour. Do you believe that? You know, I could kind of understand that the world doesn't believe that, but I would struggle that the church doesn't believe that. Do you believe in dragons? Can you see their adversarial relationship between God and Satan? As I read this next part of Job, I'm going to read it again, verse 8 through 11. Can you see the war? Can you see the the battle? And then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless. A man of complete integrity. He fears God, stays away from evil. And Satan replied to God, to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. You see, Satan is not rejoicing in the prosperity of God's holy man. Anybody listening to me? Satan is not rejoicing in the prosperity of God's holy man. He's accusing God's holy man. That's what he does. He's the angry accuser. This dragon is the enemy of God seeking to devour those who belong to God. He doesn't want people to belong to God. So how does the dragon do it? Here we go. Now we're going to get real. So how does the dragon do it? By bringing trouble and testing into Job's life. Hoping that suffering will cause Job to curse God and join the dragons. Anybody listening? Satan has this idea that if he could make Job curse God, if If trouble, if he could bring trouble and difficulty and hardship into Job's life, Job would turn on God and join the dragons because the dragons already are against God and they're looking for people to join in the rebellion against God. And how does he do it? How does he do it? Well, let's, let's give him hardship. Because Satan's position is, well, he only follows you because he's rich, he's prosperous, he's got, you don't, he doesn't have any trouble. You built a fence around him and you protect him. Take the fence down and he'll curse you. Let him suffer and he'll blame it all on you. Let him suffer. Church, you think this has any relevance today? Let him suffer. How does Satan, how does the dragon do it? If he can bring suffering into your life and in the midst of the suffering, you look at God and say, it's your fault. You've joined the dragons. Before I read this next verse about the dragon and God, let me tell you that I find great comfort in this revelation of absolute truth. Verse 12, when God answers the dragon, he says, all right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, But don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. What is it in that verse that gives me great comfort? Here it is. The dragon is on a leash. He's on a leash. He is not as powerful as God. He is not almighty. The dragon is on a leash. Do you understand how powerful that statement is? He is not almighty. Why doesn't the dragon just go down to the earth and kill Job? Have you ever thought about it? If he wants to accuse, if he wants to really come at God's possession, his holy man Job, why doesn't this dragon in his power just go down to the earth and kill Job? Just eat him. He can't. Why can't he? Because he doesn't have that much power. He's on a leash. He can only go so far. You can test him, but you can't harm him physically. That was the first encounter with God. Does that give anybody some comfort? That there is a limit to how much rope this dragon gets. That does not mean the dragon is not powerful sorry he has great power and he has caused many to curse God and join the dragons do you know that he's on a leash he is not almighty he is not all powerful but he has power and he has caused many to curse God What he tried to do to Job, he has done to many. He has caused many to curse God, join the dragons. How? By blaming the trouble in their life on God instead of the dragon. Job 1, verse 2. He had seven sons and three daughters. Was he blessed? Was well, Satan the accuser right? He's blessed. Well, let's look at the blessing. I want you to look at how God prospered Job. He was under the blessing. He, it's true. He had seven sons, three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and he employed many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. Okay? So was God, what was God prospering this man? Yes, yes. You think Satan didn't know it? You see, what Satan thought, it was the prosperity of the stuff around Job's life that caused him to be the holy man. Take that stuff, he'll curse you, and he'll join the dragons. And what is the dragon strategy against this holy man? bring incredible suffering so that it looks like, so that it looks like from Job's perspective, okay? So it looks like God has abandoned Job to the dragons. So how's he going to do it? Okay, you can test him. So Satan comes and he's trying to create an atmosphere where Job will think that he's been abandoned by God. In fact, that's much of the book of Job's. this back and forth about this issue. And then Job will curse God, at least that's what Satan thinks. He'll curse God, and by cursing God, what's he doing? He's joined the dragons, the demons, the followers of the great dragon. It doesn't work. Somebody say hallelujah. That's why he's a holy man in the book of Ezekiel, because it doesn't work. Yes, the dragon kills Job's seven sons, and yes, the dragon kills his three daughters. Yes, the dragon eventually takes away Job's health and wealth, but the dragon's strategy doesn't work, not on Job. Job refuses to curse God and join the dragons. In fact, Job uses this opportunity... To do the opposite of what the dragon wanted him to do. The opposite of what the dragon had thought Job would do. He blesses the name of God instead of curses the name of God. In the middle of his great suffering, his great loss, he's lost his children, he's lost his, his wealth, he's lo- he eventually loses his health, he loses everything. Everything. In fact, one of the ironies in the story is pretty much the only thing in his life he's got left is his wife. And what does she look at him and say? Curse God and die. Join the dragons. Well, that's good counsel from your spouse, isn't it? Join the dragons. But he won't do it. Job 1, Listen, church, he said, I... This is in the midst of the suffering and I I think at this point Satan's thinking, I got him. I got him. He'll, He'll curse God. And here's what he says instead, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave here. The Lord gave me what I had. Seven sons and three daughters. All those animals in my corral. The Lord gave me What I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, listen, Job did not sin by blaming God. That, my friends, is why Job's name is listed beside Noah and Daniel in the book of Ezekiel. That's it. Job refused to go along with the dragons by blaming God for his suffering. So I'm going to ask you again. Do you believe in dragons? Do you know the dragon hates you? If you belong to God, what what made Job unique? He belonged to God. He's my holy man. If you belong to God, if you are his holy child, Satan, this dragon hates you. He's the accuser of you. And he wants you to curse God and join the dragons. This dragon doesn't need to bother the people that he already has. This dragon doesn't need to bother the people who have already joined, belong to the dragons, but he surely hates those like Job who belong to God. Last week I told you very clearly we are at war we're in a spiritual battle with a great dragon revelation 12:17 this describes the war if you believe in dragons and the great dragon and the dragon was angry at the woman and he declared war this dragon is angry at the woman and he declared war against the rest of her children All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus are are at war with this great dragon. This revelation verse reveals the dragon's hatred for Israel, which is the symbol of the woman and her children, Mary and her children, the people of God and the rest of her children. This revelation verse reveals the dragon's hatred for all who keep God's commandments And all who maintain their testimony of Jesus, the dragon hates you. He has declared war against you. And you can pretend like dragons aren't real and it doesn't change anything. He still hates you and he still has declared war against you. The dragon wants us to neglect the commandments. You know what that means? If you'll let go of this, you can find peace with the dragon. But you'll die in your sins. But you'll die in your sins. And if what, he wants you to let go of your testimony. Thinking you can make peace with the dragon. We are in a war that is raging in the heavenly realms between the dragon and God. And I get it. I get it. I'm not naive. I'm not stupid. I think a whole lot of people hear that sentence and think, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're being dramatic again. Do you believe in dragons? We're in a great spiritual war, and everyone in this war is going to choose sides. Last week, I, I drew out this parallel between World War II. There were collaborators. There was the resistance, and those fooled into the idea you could remain neutral. Everybody's going to choose sides. 1 Corinthians 10, 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons. You can't do it. You might think you can, but you can't. The dragon's got you. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. What? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we're stronger than he is? Do you? Believe in dragons? Yes, the dragon's on a leash, but he was on a leash in the time of Job. And you see the scope of his demonic power in that scene. God would not allow the dragon to kill Job, but God allowed great suffering and testing in Job's life. Is anybody listening? You can't kill him. But man, he sure terrorized him. I believe there's a great time of testing coming for the church. I believe there's a great time of testing coming from the chur- for the church and we must keep the commands of Christ and hold to our testimony of truth in Jesus' name no matter what the cost. And that's the reason for today's message. We must legitimately be the resistance. The one thing that stands against the dragon is the church. One thing. The church. Job knew about the dragon. And I'm not referring to Leviathan. Job knew about the dragon. Job knew something about the dragon, something bigger than life and death here on this present earth. Why do I say that? Because Job made this profound statement of truth. So obviously he must have known something about the lying dragon. Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He knew. He knew that it was the Lord that gave, not the dragon. The dragon doesn't give. The dragon only takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job knew that there is no life without God. There is no hope without God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No, Job said, no, I will not join the dragon's. What did it mean, join the dragons? What does it mean? Curse God, blame God for trouble in your life. The fact is, you don't even have a life if God didn't give it to you. Satan didn't give you life. That dragon doesn't give you life. He comes to take your life. But he wants you to curse the one who gives life and join the dragons. Do you know what Job knows? I'm going to tell you. One of the most powerful verses, if you understand this entire Job scene, and it's a difficult book to read. I'm going to tell you, it is. If you understand this entire Job scene, there's one verse hidden inside of chapter 13, verse 15, that just moves me to tears. Here's what he says. Though he slay me, talking about God, yet I will hope in him. You see, God opened the gate and released the dragon into Job's life. Go ahead. You can test him. He opened the gate and released the dragon. And Job's response is, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. What does Job know? What does he know? What did Job know that would make him say, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him? I can't answer that question in great detail today, but I feel pretty confident that Job believed in dragons. We have something that Job didn't have today. We have the book of Revelation that reveals a future time. Listen, I've got something that I don't think Job had. I've got the book of Revelation that reveals a future time when dragons will become extinct. Do you understand that? I know the future of the dragon realm. There's a day on God's calendar that the dragons will become extinct. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. In Revelation 20 verse 1, I know the dragon hates it when I read this out loud. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with a key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. And he seized this dragon. Ooh. You think he likes it when we read this? You think he likes it when we believe that this is his future? And I'm not, dra- I'm not joining the dragons when I know what the dragons are going to have on the last day. He seized the dragon, the old serpent who is the devil Satan. He bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and he locked the dragon So the Satan, so the dragon could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years is finished. He's in jail, dragon jail. I'm not going to follow a dragon that's going to jail. And afterward, he must be released for a little while. Now listen carefully. There's a bit of mystery actually a lot of mystery here as to why the dragon is going to be released for a short time at the end of the thousand year reign of christ but in the end i got to tell you the extinction of dragons will be final in revelation 20 verse 10 and the devil then the devil he's the dragon who had deceived them. This is after the thousand years reign of Christ. After the thousand years of dragon prison, he's released for a short time. And then the devil, the dragon who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever. Do you believe in dragons? Do you? You see, to deny the existence of the dragon is to deny the spiritual war that we are in, which would make you great prey for the dragon. Here's the last thought today. I'm going to tell you, I've spent all week thinking about this Isaiah prophecy. Isaiah's prophecy says this. I'm going to say it again. He says this. In that day, the Lord will take his terrible swift sword and punish Leviathan, the swiftly moving serpent, the coiling writhing serpent. He will kill the dragon of the sea in that day. What does it mean? The, follow, the dragon one day will become extinct in the existence of God's realm. Listen. And so will his followers. They will too become extinct. Those who join the dragons are going to become extinct one day. As God takes his kingdom and his children and his family and moves into eternity, there will be left in the ashes of history an extinct race of dragons. The dragon and those who joined in his rebellion. So how do we overcome? I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. In Revelation it says, Woe to you, inhabitants of the earth for the dragon has been cast down to you and he's filled with rage for he knows his ty- dragon days are short but they overcame the dragon you know how it is don't you some of y'all memorize it they overcame this great dragon by the blood of the lamb by word of their testimony and they weren't afraid to die that even if the dragon though he slay me yet I will hope in him though he kill me yet I will hope in God So today, we're going to sing an invitation. And I don't know what this message does to anybody, but here's what I hope it does. We're in a spiritual war. There may be a great time of suffering and hardship, just like Job. But the cure to all of it is this. The Lord gave me what I have today. If he decides tomorrow to take it away, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Satan, you lose dragon you lose you want me to curse God I'm not doing it because I know about dragons I know who you are father thank you for saving us from this great dragon thank you for your word which reveals one day dragons will become extinct and all that will be left are those who belong to you and I pray father that on that day we belong to you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. The invitation's open.